Our second scripture reading this morning is from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 through chapter 8 verse 5. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. This is God's word. Thank you, uh, Amanda, for reading that passage for us this morning. Well, let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we pray that you give us understanding of this word, that you help us, Lord, to apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, this morning we uh, come back to our study in Revelation, and today we're going to look at uh, this text, which is before us, Revelation 7:13 uh, to chapter 8, verse 5. Let me give you some context, a quick recap, especially if you're visiting here with us this morning. And for those, uh, I think, excuse me, I need to get the the um, the click thing for the PowerPoint. So it's important. <laughs> And for those who are here with us this morning, um, if you are visiting with us, 
Uh, let me just refer to uh, what we've been working through in the book of Revelation. As we've noted, that there are seven seals mentioned in the book of Revelation. Some of you, I understand, are studying the book of Revelation at, uh, in BSF. Let me refer back to, if you have your Bibles open, it will be great. Uh, keep it because we're going to study God's Word together. We might uh, flick back to Revelation chapter 5. Verses 1 to 5. Now, Revelation is easy to find in your Bible because it's the last book, so it shouldn't be a problem, right? Revelation 5, verses 1 to 5. We have these words. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Very clear, precise statement. No one is able to open the scroll. John wept. And then we are reminded here, one of the elders saying to him, Do not weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. And we looked at that uh, in our previous messages. And so today we have looked at six seals so far. And we will look at the opening of the seventh seal though we will not go into all the details of the seventh seal because I want to wrap up this mini-series on Revelation today, for now anyway. So let me just recap the six seals that we have looked at so far. The breaking of the first seal is in chapter 6, 1 and 2, reveals a white horse going forth to conquer. I believe that this horse is a symbol of military conquest, and we see that in this world. The second seal reveals a red horse that stands for war and that of killing of each other. And we know today that there are wars going on in this world. Right now, there's a massive conflict in Mosul, right? Right now, there's an incredible fighting going on in Aleppo. Suffering is intense. The opening of the third seal reveals a black horse that stands for famine and economic hardship in this world. A quart of wheat cost a day's wages, chapter 6, 5 and 6. The opening of the fourth seal, chapter 6, verse 8, reveals a pale horse representing death. Remember that when we looked at that horse, the, the paleness, when someone dies, the, the, the color changes, their body color changes, they become pale, there's no life. And it's a sign of death. And then, when, John, when Jesus opens the fifth seal, John gets a glimpse, in chapter 6, 9 to 11, John gets a glimpse of the souls of Christian martyrs under the altar of God, crying out for justice, for the blood that they had shed. And while the fifth seal, chapter 6, refers to the souls of martyrs under the altar. The broader understanding from God's word is that all faithful believers' souls at the point of death goes to be with the Lord in heaven. 
We've established that already. The opening of the sixth seal, chapter 6, verse 12 onwards, brings us as close as to the end as we get in the beginning of the birth pangs with apocalyptic signs. The sun turned black like sackcloth. The whole moon turned red, blood red. The stars in the sky fell to earth as fig drop from a, as figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. And then we see in this chapter that the enemies of God, they had no place to go. They were hiding from the wrath of the Lamb that was to come in judgment. So that's the general place where we are in this book. And now you're in chapter 7. Before the opening of the final seal, John is given a vision. Chapter 7, 1 to 8, where he sees that they will be sealed. God's people will be sealed by God on the earth. And so will be preserved as his own people. And so we have this number of 144,000 mentioned. Just last week we were away, as you know, and we had friends. We met up in Lawn. And uh, in the course of our discussion over lunch, this guy said to me, So Chris, tell me, is it only 144,000 that's going to be in heaven? What's the purpose for all of us then? And I said, no. Right? And we established that last time. The 144,000 does not mean only 144,000 are going to be in heaven, but it is a number symbolic of a vast, vast multitude of people. It's the Jehovah's Witnesses who would go with the 144,000. Not us. And so we have this remarkable scene in chapter 7, 11 to 12, where the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. They the Greek word there is that they prostrated themselves and they worshipped joyfully, saying, praise, glory, wisdom, thanks, honor, power, strength. Seven items mentioned there. Completeness in worship. A comprehensive praise to our God. So that's where we are at today. Where we've come so far. And so for this morning, we're going to look at these points. The security that we have in our text here. The satisfaction and the silence. Alright, let's look at the security that we see here. Verses 13 and 14 in your Bibles. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. A lot of material there, friends, in our text this morning. So please keep your Bibles open to that passage. Here again, an elder comes and he asks the question, Who are these? Elders are very good at asking questions, right? <laughs> to all elders here this morning. If you're not an elder as well, you can join and say, Who are these people? And so this elder comes up and says to John, Who are these people? Who is this multitude? Where are these people from? How did John respond to this question, friends? John responded by throwing the question back to the elder. Isn't that a good strategy? Someone asks you a question, you put the question back to them. Right? Uh, what do you think about it? Interesting, isn't it? Good strategy. Anyway, you know, he says. And it is you who knows. He says, you know this. 
And so the elder says, And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation they have washed. You see, the great tribulation, this word tribulation is trials and testings. And there are many who identify the great tribulation with a final period of intense persecution for the church. That's one way of looking at it. But friends, the reality is that, as we've already noted in our study of Revelation, Christians face trials in this life all the time. Is that correct? Even today, Christians face persecution. As I mentioned in, in, before our prayer time this morning, a situation uh, that's going on right now. Christians are not exempt from the disasters, sicknesses, sufferings and calamities in this world. Trials come upon us, right? Trials are upon the church. Just this last week, some of us went uh, to a seminar on mental illness and a Christian perspective on mental illness. And a subject that perhaps we don't talk about in our Christian circles perhaps, but it is very real. And there are Christians who are going through trials of mental illness in their lives. Some are going through trials because of their faith in Christ. And so when such tribulations come upon us, it can affect our faith in Christ. But we know, friends, that in Jesus, we find our security in Him. Even in the midst of these trials, as, as Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, that these are the last days, and in the last days, there will be times of difficulties. And what are the last days? The last days are now, current. And these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation with white robes, white robes symbolizing purity, not because of anything that they have done or achieved, but by the way or, or the way they have lived. It is the blood of the Lamb that makes them white. What a blessing that is, friends. You think about it for a moment. What an incredible blessing that is. That's one of the things that really encouraged me as a Christian. When I became a Christian, I never knew what it meant to be totally forgiven. And I would go and stand and offer everything at altars, kiss statues, and felt really good. And I would wear white, the full Sri Lankan sarong and the white shirt. Maybe I should wear a sarong one day here. It's the full, full garment, a white, a sign of purity. And I felt good coming out of the temples and other places, feeling, well, everything has been cleansed. And until I began to understand this gospel, that I stand before this holy God, my sin ever before me. You know that. You know your sins in your heart, do you, don't you? Or am I the only one here in the room? <laughs> you know that. And I know it. And we can be so ashamed of our own sinfulness, so ashamed of it, that we don't want to even go back to it. And rightfully so, we don't have to go back to it. Because our Savior has taken all that muck, all that filthiness, and He has washed us with His blood, so to speak. And He has cleansed us. And He has forgiven us. And He has made us white in purity of Christ, so that we stand before this God in the righteousness of our Savior Jesus. Oh, my dear friends, that to me is beyond my human comprehension. I cannot work it out in my heart. 
I cannot work it out in my mind. All I say is, God, I just want to thank you. That's it. That's it. <laughs> you see the incredible implications of it. All your sin nailed to the cross. All your guilt. Now, guilt is good because guilt, there is such a thing as good guilt. So it should turn us to remorse. But all our guilt that brings us down and breaks you and crushes you and makes you feel so a miserable rat, as it were, has taken by the cross, washed by the blood, set free by Jesus, given a white robe to wear, and God saying, this is my child, this is my daughter, this is my son, my Savior has died for him, and I have made him white and pure in the blood of my son Jesus. Wow, liberating is that. Don't you find it? Is it not liberating to you this morning? Does it not give to us the joy of our salvation, friends? You tell me, yes or no? Yes. That's it. Yes. What a blessing that is. Whenever the gospel of salvation is preached, we must preach the cross and we must preach grace. Grace and the cross goes together so that you don't leave this place feeling totally miserable and, and, and fallen and broken, but rather you go from this place rejoicing this Sunday that Jesus has put a white robe on you. What a blessing. What a blessing is that. You see, all our ministry, all our life, this church's ministry, your service for Christ must be motivated by what God has done for you. Correct? I don't need to go and say to you, oh, can you do this? Or can you serve here? Or can you serve this? Or why are you not serving? Why are you not getting involved in ministry? You need to ask yourself that question. You need to ask yourself, how can I respond to the God who has given me white robes for me to stand before him. How can I serve my God? Is that not the question you should be asking? Don't let your pastors come around or your elders or, or your team leaders. You ask yourself the question. I am here today on this day on Sunday in October 2016. God has given me life to live. How do I serve my God? How do I respond to the white robes that he has given me? You ask yourself that question. Because then, that is grace that's moving you to serve him. Right? I often ask myself, I talk to John as well, I wonder what I would do if I'm not a minister. Would I still be serving Christ with the same passion? I would. It doesn't change at all. It should not change at all. I will not have a pulpit ministry to preach from every Sunday. But it shouldn't, sir. It shouldn't change. It should not change. I should be serving Christ, whether I'm a minister or not, the same way that I would do because of His grace. So here we see that. What we see here is that God's people are safe. There is a security that they will be safe with the Lord for all eternity because they are white robes. They have been saved by the blood of Jesus on the cross. And so their eternal security is confirmed. I was speaking to a lady this past week. I go, up, I go there and pick up food for my parents on a regular basis. They are nice rice and curries, by the way. And sometimes I'm tempted to keep a packet for myself. <laughs> I shouldn't do that, should I? 
Anyway, the point is, I said to this lady, she said, oh, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working. I was talking to her in Sinhalese. And she said to me, I will die in this place because I'm working. I said to her, man, don't die in this place just like that. You need to know who Jesus is in your life. And I said, she has some understanding of the faith. I said, don't let a hearse take you to church. Right? Let you drop dead there. But rather start worshipping Christ. And so we got engaged in this conversation. And hopefully through this curry ministry, there will be a gospel opening. <laughs> you never know where curries can take you to friends. That's the bottom line, you see. Now, look at this further. In verses 15 to, to 17. See, that's a, it's almost like a hymn here, 15 to 17. In your Bibles. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in, in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. See, notice, friends, that they are before the throne of God and that they serve Him in His temple. Now, we know that there is no temple in, as such in heaven, right? Perhaps the reference to temple here is the entire sanctuary of God. The picture here is of heavenly joy. It's a picture of the saints serving God. And significantly, we read in 15b that He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. What a blessing! What a blessing, friends! You see, this is the promise of his presence with his people. I refer to the Old Testament. I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will, I will walk among you, and will be your God, and you shall be my people. You see, what a glorious promise being fulfilled. What a glorious prospect to look forward to. Nothing can separate us. Nothing from his love and his presence in our lives. And you might ask me today, where is God's presence in my life today? Right? Good question. How is God present with me? How? Well, He is present with you, right? You know why? We've just looked at the sealing of God's people. And who are we sealed with? That's a good question this morning. Who are we sealed with as Christians? We are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And so God's presence is with us in His Spirit. Today, wherever you go, remember this, friends, that you are never alone. You are always in the presence of the living God who indwells you. But this living God who is almighty and all-powerful, the omniscient God who knows everything, and the omnipresent God who is present everywhere, and the omnipotent God, the all-powerful God, never leaves you. But this will be fulfilled in all its glory one day. You shall be my people. And my presence will be with you. And notice, friends, in verse 16, that you will no longer be hungry, no longer be thirsty, and the sun and not be struck down by the sun. All symbolizing sustenance and satisfaction in Christ. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. You see, the Christian life is not empty. And notice a beautiful text here in verse 17. 
Verse 17 of, your, of, of our reading. For the Lamb is in the midst of the throne and will be their shepherd and he will guide them in springs of living water. Remember this scene, friends, in John chapter 4 where Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman? Right? Look at the text in John 4, 13 and 15. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to her, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw to the well. You see, in our text, friends, this morning, Jesus is leading his people to springs of living water, meaning eternal life with him. And notice, friends, that he is the shepherd of his people. We sang this morning one of the most amazing hymns of the church, right? And a great psalm of the church. Psalm, remember what we sang? Psalm 23. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they shall comfort me. You think about that. Even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and we don't know the valley of the shadow of death that you and I will face, but we know that death will come our way. That's for certain, correct? Unless Christ comes before that. And even when we are in the valley of that moment of death, there could be 200 people standing around you, friends. But you and I will have to face death all by ourselves at the end of the day. And there's the Savior standing there, the shepherd who will usher us into eternity. That's the blessing. This shepherd. You know, I was preparing this text and I thought, how amazing is this? You know, God spoke of the shepherd in the Old Testament. Jesus speaks, we read in John chapter 10 this morning, of the good shepherd who lays down his life. And now, John is given in this vision, the risen shepherd of his people. He never ceases to be the shepherd of you. How good is that? How wonderful is that? So notice here, friends. Do you know, I want to ask you this question this morning. Do you know this shepherd? Do you actually know this shepherd? How well are you and I getting to know this shepherd? The question, isn't it? Do you know him personally? And then, God will wipe away every tear. Friends, tears are very much part of our humanity. We are human beings made with emotions. We laugh, correct? We laugh. How good is laughter? Right? We can take it for granted, right? Just imagine if God did not give us the emotion of laughter. When is the last time you laughed? Don't worry about answering that. But let me ask you this. When is the last time you cried? Now tears can come upon us. Times when we are lonely. You lost a loved one. You're a widow or widower. You know, I'll never forget a situation where I had to do a funeral once. And uh, the, the, 
the coffin was opened. And there was the viewing by the family. When I was in the back room, I just viewed the body. I went to the back room. I was getting ready for the service. And I heard loud sobs, loud sobs coming from a man. And he was weeping, crying, because his wife had passed away. And that moment when the coffin was opened, I heard these screams. And you know, it touched me and it's still so fresh in my mind. You know, tears come our way, don't we? We cry. Even big blokes cry. We think blokes don't cry. Hey, blokes, have you never shed a tear? Hey? Uh, is it too blokey to cry? Well, Jesus cried. And he was a real bloke, right? He wept. And God understands our tears. God understands the emotions of the heart. He understands when everything is going beyond what we can cope. Maybe situations in life. Maybe a relationship breakdown. Maybe a conflict. Maybe moments in the evening when you, everything has come upon you and the tears just well up. And they cry. God, God will wipe away every tear. He does it now in, in, a, in a gracious way. But a day is coming. As Revelation 21 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. What a great, what a great, great Great shepherd that you have friends, right? Yes? And a shepherd who wipes away tears because he knows you and he has laid his life for you and for me. That's the shepherd. The one who has loved you from all eternity. And say one day, friends, there will be no more tears. Thank the Lord for that, right? Yes? One day, no more tears. No more tissues needed to wipe away our tears. No more handkerchiefs needed to wipe the tears. Going, going, like the auctioneer says, going, going, gone. Not an auction, but I'm sorry about tears. Gone forever. And then, we see the silence in heaven. We see a silence here. Have a look at your text. Chapter 8, 1 to 5. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, you would expect that there would be things happening here. Notice, friends, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, verse 4, with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. And then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it onto the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, Flashes of lightning and an earthquake. What a remarkable moment. 
silence in heaven. We read this morning, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46. And now, a solemn moment takes place in heaven. Silence in heaven for about half an hour. We don't know that period of time. What's going on here, friends? What is going on here? How are we to understand this silence in heaven? I think it is helpful for us to to go back to the Old Testament. By the way, may I say this? This passage has so much of the Old Testament in it, right? So for those who say they don't accept the Old Testament, they only believe they are New Testament Christians, let me tell you this. You will never be able to understand the New Testament apart from the Old. (laughs) Because it is here. And look at this text, friends. In Zechariah chapter 2, verse 13. Be still, all flesh, before the Lord. For he has roused himself from his holy dwelling. Or take Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. That is our God. You see, what is going on here, friends? All of heaven is struck into silence in awe of who God is. All heaven is struck into silence in awe as God is about to launch judgment on the people. As you see in this text here, they are struck by the awesomeness of God. I want to ask you a question this morning. How do you see God today? Do you see Him as the awesome God? What is your view of God? Silence, majesty, splendor, awe, reverence. You see, sometimes we've lost that concept, haven't we? Of the reverence of God. Is that correct? Or am I alone in thinking that? We have lost the concept of the reverence of who God is. And yet heaven stands in silence. And notice, friends, that the incense is offered. And smoke of the incense and the prayers of the saints rose on the golden altar. We know from the Old Testament that the temple incense was burnt on the altar. And the sweet-smelling smoke of the incense represented the prayers of God's people. And so we have the golden altar here. And so the point here is that our prayers are rising before God. Do you think sometimes, I mean, I pray, you pray, sometimes our prayers could be, I'll talk about myself, my prayers can be selfish. Right? It can be tainted. It can be only driven about myself. Lord, give me this, or Lord, grant me this, or Lord, do this for me, or do this for my family. God understands even the selfish prayers of His people. And no matter what prayers we pray, It goes to the altar and is refined by the Savior Jesus as He intercedes for you and me. And the prayer then is offered to to our God. And so I want to encourage you to pray. No matter what that prayer is, you pray, friends. Do you pray? How serious? How good is your... how, How is your prayer life this morning? Come and ask me after the service. Ask me, ask John, ask, uh, keep us guys in your prayers as well as we minister the word to you Sunday by Sunday. 
Pray for one another. Pray, pray, pray. And that's what we see here. Our prayers through Christ are never wasted. We sing one hymn, which is, What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Anyone else wants to complete the next verse? Next line? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a? To carry everything to God in what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. And what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And so, the angel then, as we wind up this morning. Look at verse 5. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. You see, the fire came from the altar on which the prayers of the saints were offered. And there were peals of thunder and rumbling. In other words, friends, what is going on here is the prayers are ascending to God. And God hears the prayers and He responds. And He sends forth these, these judgments upon the earth in response to God's people praying. And one day, judgment will come in all its fullness. So, let me conclude. So, friends, this morning, we have seen that in Christ... We are secure in Him. We don't live empty lives, but rather knowing Jesus as our shepherd gives us complete satisfaction. Though not full at the moment, will be one day totally fully realized. And God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. You know that this morning. Maybe this week, I don't know what week you're going to face. Maybe it's been a trialsome week this past week. Know that He understands your tears and he will wipe it away and this morning let us also be reminded the awesomeness of our God and we are praying people to him because God listens to our prayers and in conclusion then again let us live our lives here on earth look into the eschatological promise that is the end promise of the new heavens and the new earth as our ultimate hope in Christ may God Bless us as a people. May he encourage us as a people. May we go forth from this place rejoicing in him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your precious people here this morning. And Lord, make us strong in Christ. Make your church here at Surrey Hills be a church a blaze for Jesus that we are secure in Christ satisfied in Christ and reminded of the silence in heaven the awesomeness of our God we thank you for the shepherd of our souls Jesus thank you God that you have promised to wipe away every tear in Jesus name Amen